All right, you're now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 264. Is there a Laker conspiracy with the referees? We are seven days away from the trade deadline. Who's going to be the second team to make a move? Do you think John Morant regrets the comments he made about the West Coast teams? And I'm putting a hit out on Joe Ingles. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 264. We're coming at you live on Thursday, February 2nd from the Icebox, a.k.a. Clips Castle. Uh, <laughs> it, it's still freezing in here. It's been uh, it, cold. It's so it's been, cold. It's been cold for Southern California kids. That's I, That's what it's called for. And most people will say, well, Clips, why don't you turn on the heating? Why don't you turn on your brand new <laughs> heater? And I'm like, look, man, if heating, if natural gas was in the same price as an ounce of gold, I probably would. But I'm not I heard I heard big news. I got an email from SDG&E. It's going down, baby. I did. That's what I was segueing into. I got yeah. this email today said it's dropping 68 yep. percent. So I just fired it up. We're going to turn the <laughs> icebox into a sweatshop right now. So I'm starting to heat up. Uh, we have a lot to get into this show, but. There's some news fresh off the presses, Drew, and I know you've been taking care of Kona with the dog. You you had to rush home in traffic so we can so we can get this this podcast fired up and out for our listeners. But the, the All Star uh, reserves were finally announced, and I yep. kind of want your opinion on them because I'm a little sh- a little shocked, yeah, and I'm a little upset at both of us. Okay, okay. So the East East reserves came out first. Uh, no surprise that Embiid was the first one on there. Jalen Brown, who arguably could have been a starter. Bam is on there. We had Bam going. Julius Randle got on there, which he's been on fire lately. We He was kind yep. of on, on, the, on the, the tip of like, we didn't know if he was going to make it or not. DeMar DeRozan, we both didn't have as an all-star. Drew Holiday was on my list of my my final picks. I didn't, I, I you know, I would have been fine with Drew made it. See, so not. that's that's where I had DeRozan. I brought him up on the last one. I had DeRozan. We brought him up. We talked about him. He was he was like a coin flip for my last spot. And that was my Drew Holiday. And De- right. DeMar and Drew both got in. Uh, our boy, Hallie, Hallie Burton got in, which yep. we both had. And, and we expected him to be there. But man. Do you think do you think my boy Jalen Brunson got robbed or do you think Julius was is the one they should have had in there? Yeah, to, I mean, there's a reason for me. I, ha- I had neither on my list, right? So I, I when when we talk about arm wrestling between Brunson and Randall, fine, whatever. You know, I I didn't have either of them. I still don't. I don't necessarily like that Randall's on the All Star team. I think there's other players out there that's more deserving. Um, I mean, does, was was Garland on the list? No, no, no Garland. No. Um, was Siakam on the list? No, that's another no, rock. Right. See, so like in my opinion, you know, I get it. Randall's been hot. You know, the Knicks went on a little bit of a streak there for a while, and it, when the Lakers Lakers got him in overtime, which was kind of lucky. <laughs> um, but I between Randall and Brunson, I don't really give a shit. I, I know I don't either. I don't either. I just like our li- our list to be accurate, yeah. and I, I I just thought that I thought uh, from kind of the the point of 
Jalen Brunson, we were all a little shocked at the money he got going to the Knicks. The Knicks had a really great turnaround. Yeah. It turns out that like Jalen Brunson being a legit point guard is exactly what Julius Randle and the Knicks have needed this year. Somebody that can distribute the ball, get the rock to Julius in the post. And like, so Julius doesn't have the ball. You remember we were talking last yeah. year about the Knicks problems where Julius was just dribbling all the time and then taking these dumbass shots. So Jalen Brunson has kind of brought this team together. He's, I think he's outperformed like what we expected him to be and I thought he would be an all-star and then Joel Embiid's pissed that Harden didn't make it so <laughs> either way no matter how you look at it there's going to be snubs and I just felt that Siakam yeah. his numbers were so crazy this year and I thought Brunson was going to get the the nod that's what I felt yeah it feels like they the uh the media is the one who voted coaches and media get the reserves right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh it feels like they those those votes were rewarding of teams that were winning more than losing more, right? Like Toronto's kind of in the bottom. Mm -hmm. uh, was Trey Young on the list? No. Well, no. <laughs> that one, that one's tough, right? Yeah, like, but I remember I, I texted you the other night and I'm like, yo, Trey Young is 12th in the player vote. Like nobody likes right. Trey Young. Nobody likes Trey Young. I'm pretty sure Peyton Pritchard got more votes from the players. <laughs> well, that's Trey Boston. Young. That's Boston. But, but I think that, you know, that to me is a, like a, a, like, how is Julius in there over Trey Young, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you're trying to, you know, stack it so that there's not as many guards and you're going, I'm just done. I'm done with the guards. After after whatever name is your last guard, you're like, okay, I got to get some forwards and some bigs in there. If that's the way you did it, I still would make the case that Siakam was better than Randall, mm -hmm. um, even though the team situation is a little different there. But yeah, I do feel, it feels like, uh, and we're obviously we're going to get in the West too, but I think on both East and West, those voters rewarded teams with better records this year, which I, you know, that's fine. That's kind of fine, but it, it's about an individual award. It's not a team award. No, I totally agree. And there's one on the West. So the West got announced too. And our boy Dame got in. I'm, yep. I'm stoked on him. And between it was between Dame and and Paul George for me, being the resident Clipper fan, I didn't have Paul George. Based on I love Paul George. You guys all know I am. I lead the fan club for Paul yeah. George. But based on the games, I didn't think Paul George was going to get in. But lo and behold, Paul George is in. Okay. Yeah. And then a guy got in that we didn't even bring up as an All Star reserve, which is Jaron Jackson Jr., aka the Block Panther. He yeah. got in. Your boy Demontis Lowry Markinen. Ja, of course, SGA, of course. So I'm also very fine with this list. I understand a lot of people in the media too had Paul George. He's had a really good year. It was just yeah. the inconsistency with the games played. And then we didn't even, as professional podcasters, NBA podcasters, we didn't bring up Jaron Jackson Jr., who, although uh, we got a few conspiracies to talk about on this show, although <laughs> his stats may be inflated while at home. I don't know if you saw that or not. I don't know. I don't know the the difference between home and away. No. Oh, oh so supposedly that they're get the when he plays at home, he yeah. gets way better stats from their from their stat recorders. Like mm. some blocks, they had to go deep into like rewatching these games, and some of these deflections were counted as blocks. So some of these nights where Jared yeah. had like five or six blocks, like yeah, it was actually like two, maybe three. <laughs> well, either way, he's well, had a really great season. Yeah. Um, but I'm surprised that we didn't bring him up. I, he wasn't, I don't think he was on many people's radar, right? Like, let's just be real about this. Jaron Jackson Jr., great player. I think he's had some injury problems. I mean, look, he didn't even play the beginning of the year. 
Uh, and, and his, his numbers are good. Like generally speaking, his numbers are good. Uh, and I do think he's right now, uh, he might be one or two in the defensive player of the year rankings for most Mm -hmm. people, which is fair, but Marcus smart didn't make the all-star team last year, you know, and, and defensive players of the year never get the, the nod for, uh, all-star outside of Gobert, right. Gobert is really the only guy that was like, okay. I guess we'll put him in there because he's a center and we need yeah, centers. There, there was a case for Brooke Lopez. This is exactly sure. what you're talking about. Yeah. And and so I I think rightly we didn't bring up Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm not trying to say that he can't be an all-star, and I'm not trying to say he's a bad player. Uh, but when we were talking about, you know, some of the other guys that could have been on this list that weren't. It's like, uh, uh, again, it's it's more of a nod towards like Memphis is in the two seed. And if Jaws, their only all-star, that feels a little inadequate to some, right? So, you know, in the same case that I was making on the last podcast that Sacramento should have De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis on there because of how well they've done over the course of the year. They're in the three seed and yada, yada, yada. I think that probably trickled into the decision-making of some of these people because I, I don't think Jaron Jackson Jr. deserves to be an all-star this year. As of what he's done. And, but again, I, he's a good, good player. And when he's on the floor and when Memphis is, you know, firing away, they're, they're at their peak when he's, you know, doing his stuff, especially on the defensive end. Yeah. And I think with Paul George, too, like, I like it. I'm cool yeah. with it. I would have been more like okay with it if they chose Kawhi because Kawhi has been absolutely insane in the games that he's playing right he just hasn't played enough games but what he's been doing the past 10 games 12 games 14 games whatever uh I would get that but I'm glad the Clippers are going to have some representation yeah and he is deserving he's been doing great this year yes the Paul George Kawhi argument I think is 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 a good one to have right like I has Kawhi played what like maybe four or five more or uh Paul George Paul George played maybe five or four more games than Kawhi. More than that. A little more than that. A little yeah. bit more than that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I really, I think that the case is in this, in this Western conference is like, okay, there was no Booker, right? So the, everyone, people left Booker off the list. He missed too many games. The same thing was, was with James Harden in the East, mm-hmm. missed too many games. Those two guys would probably be in there. And I think Randall not in and Jaron Jackson, not in, right. If, if both of those guys are healthy and ready to roll, but we're and, both fine. We're both fine with Harden not being on the all-star team, right? I don't think yeah. it's some snub, right? I think it's games played. I mean, that's right. why he wasn't on my list is because like there's there's a threshold where I'm like, okay, like did have you missed, you know, 10, 12, 15? Like 15's really pushing. You started getting the 20 games missed. No Anthony Davis is on there. You know, like it 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 makes sense. Like that that was kind of my argument on the last pod and how I look at all-star selections is like you need to reward the guys that are on the court that you need to reward the ones that are playing not just the ones that have the crazy high statistics that you know don't necessarily qualify because they've only played you know so many games like zion Um, as a starter right that was i mean the zion as a starter to me was was never going to be that's not how i would have broken it down because i think he missed too many games enough games to be in reserve for me which is fine mm. uh but you know good for zion I'm, I'm very happy to see him in the starting lineup i'm i'm stoked that we do have a western conference that has jaw and zion on the court together mm-hmm. that'll be i mean we'll see some some times where they're out on the floor like running and gunning and i think that will be a blast um but yeah i think overall i i think this is a good good crop of players and you know there there is something to be said about the fact that you know I, they're saying Kevin Durant's going to start running uh, this week. Woj said, <laughs> Woj said this week he's going to start running, right? It's like, okay, well, 
that probably doesn't bode well for him to be in the All-Star game in, no. in two weeks, right? Not the best uh, time frame for that. So we know one guy is going to get popped into the, into the East at least. Um, when it comes to the West, you know, who knows? Maybe someone rolls an ankle or something happens and we'll get another guy in there. Well, but De'Aaron Fox should be that guy. Like that's I think who so. the guy should be. I think so too. I think, yeah, I think De'Aaron Fox was a guy that that I I think should be included. I think he's having a great year. There is also like if 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 Jaron Jackson Jr. is in and Randall's in, then then maybe Aaron Gordon gets the nod, right? Like because the Denver Nuggets are the number one seed in the West in the West and have been for a few weeks now. So maybe that maybe there's an argument there. Um, but yeah, I think overall we did a pretty good job, right? We were, we were always gonna miss one or two out of left field. Oh, we definitely miss Jaron Jackson Jr. I think uh, it's funny you bring up Aaron Gordon because there's five players with all-star bonuses in their contract, right? Mm. And this was announced, this this came out on Twitter before uh, the all-stars, the all-star reserves were announced. And it's Jalen Brown. So he got his, he got his uh, bonus. Big. Julius Randle, bonus. Wow. Drew Holiday, bonus. Nice. Sabonis, Sabonis bonus. You can't spell that. Sabonis without the bonus. Yeah. And Aaron Gordon gets a bonus if he makes the all-star. Wow. So it's those okay. five players. Uh, it'd be nice to see AG. I think he played his ass off this year. He's been a huge part of uh, the Denver right. Nuggets. We're going to talk about Denver here in a minute. But, uh, you know, a lot happened this past week, Drew. And when you and I were doing our pre-show last night, uh, I know you have a lot to get off your chest. We have this yeah. Lakers-Celtics game that you wanted to talk about. We have some, yeah. you know, I think it's time it needs to be addressed. We talk about the refereeing and the officiating a lot on this show. It was blatantly obvious in yeah. that game. But I want you to have the floor. Tell me your thoughts because I yeah. got some too for you. Right. Right. Well, yeah, the, you know, the, the big the big news this last week was the, the Lakers-Celtics ending. And, you know, the NBA world kind of paused for a second and went like, how is it possible that this is what we're working with here, right? How is it possible that we have the compilation of the best players in the world and supposedly the best refs and a game-winning game field goal with a blatant foul? I mean, you could see it pretty clear as day doesn't get called. Uh, on on the greatest player of this generation and perhaps of the entire sport, right? And now look, that was actually a pretty good game for the Lakers. I felt good about it. We probably, we, I mean, in my opinion, we should have won. We did everything wrong to lose that game in the end of the mm -hmm. regulation. Uh, but no Marcus Smart, no uh, Robert Williams for the Celtics. They, neither of those guys played. So we really should have beaten them. And then we did have in that game, uh, you know, the new lineup of, of AD, Hachimura, and LeBron going. Uh, and that looked really good at times. But where I want to get to is, of course, the ending, right? So, I mean, it just – the ending is exactly what you love and hate about Patrick Beverly. That's how I'm going to go with this is because this the, the end of regulation was all Patrick Beverly, right? That's really what happened there. And then over time was a whole nother, another thing. But uh, let me just take you back to – I think it was like the last minute of the game where Patrick Beverly <laughs> hits a three and then follows that up with a tip dunk. First Crazy. time I've seen, I don't think I've ever seen him do a tip dunk. And at this stage in his career for him to be up two handed tip dunk, it shook, you know, I, I stood up, I think I texted you immediately. I was like, dude, Patrick Beverly with the play of the, of the decade for Pat Bev. Um, and then, of course, right after the tip dunk, he gets an off or he gets a defensive rebound and then is driving to the basket, gets fouled and goes to the free throw line. Literally, all he has to do is make both of those free throws. Game's locked up, done and dusted. Can't even do nothing about it. He makes one. 
misses the and misses the first, makes the second, and then proceeds to foul Jalen Brown as he, for whatever reason, attempts to make a layup when they're down. The Celtics are down by three. Jalen Brown attempts to make a layup as opposed to go for three with like four seconds on the clock, which again, just stupid play from Jalen Brown. Worst possible decision from Patrick Beverly after all that good momentum, all mm-hmm. the good things he did to put us in the position mm-hmm. to actually win the game slaps Jalen Brown in the, in the face <laughs> on a layup that was inconsequential. We would have inbounded the ball, got to the free throw line would have been done and dusted. No slaps him on the face. Jalen Brown makes the layup, hits the free throw tie ball game. There's 4.1 seconds on the clock at this point. Once Jalen free throw goes down and something that I had talked about a lot, uh, and especially recently about LeBron now switching to, you know, the, the, the moment of the week is his lack of aggressiveness to drive to the hoop in these moments, right? Game tied or down one uh, where we don't have to shoot a three or even, you know, down two and we can tie the game, go to the other time. He always, always, always takes a step back three, right? This time he says, no, I'm fucking doing it. I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I'm like, yes, he finally goes to the hoop goes to the hoop oh he has a lane oh easy left-handed layup that's cash he's not missing that oh he missed it why did he miss it that was definitely a foul and this is where all hell breaks loose is the the referees decide to hold their whistle on this one and i will never defend the antics that were pulled by lebron james and the pretty much the entire lakers team and staff after that call was missed but you can understand his reaction right clips when you're when you're game on the line like that, it's been a long game, a good battle. We gave up a lead. He's, he has an easy, easy bucket to finish it off. I can understand him being flabbergasted by that, especially because he's so used to getting those calls, right? Like his entire career virtually, uh, he, he, when he goes to the basket like that and there's even a hint of contact, they tend to give him that call. So I, I know a lot of people were thinking that, this is karma for all the ones that he flopped on over the years and didn't get fouled on that. He actually got to the free throw and won a game. What have you karma aside, that is the worst missed call that I have seen in some time. I, I was trying to think of like another time where not re- Laker related, just NBA related, college basketball, basketball period related. That was as blatant and as fraudulently missed as that one. And I couldn't come up with one clips. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure that there's several uh, examples of it, but the icing on the cake is of course, Patrick Beverly, not done ruining the game for the Lakers brings the camera shows the ref, the camera, which is one hell. It's a hell of a move. I don't know. It's who such gave a him, Pat Bev move. It's who so gave Pat him the Bev. camera. I don't know who gave him the camera. Whose camera was it? He Nobody probably knows. jacked that camera, man, stole it out of somebody's hand and said, I need this, but that is that's how we start overtimes with the technical foul. So not only does he lose us the game, like it brings us to the point of winning it and then completely loses us the game. We start off overtime down one and it was all downhill from there. Boston was able to wrap it up. I don't even think Anthony Davis took a shot. So that's my like breakdown of how it went. I think this this particular instance is exactly what we've been talking about, at least for the last two or three podcasts about what's going on with the officials and specifically why can't we get this right in the moment, especially end of game, especially end of game. When you have time, you got time, you know, you know, teams are going to the benches. They're they're getting ready for OT. Why is this not fixed immediately in the moment? 
and then allow allow LeBron to, to shoot the free throws, put the time, the correct time on the clock, whatever time would have been left. Maybe it was point nine or, or a second or so. I don't know. I don't know how much time would have been left, but allow the game to play out that way. Maybe LeBron misses both both free throws. Weirder things have happened. Maybe he makes both and then they pull a, a Derek Fisher, a point nine type of second shot clock out and, and they tie it up. We go to overtime and they win the game. But let the players decide the game clips. Let I, the players decide the game. I totally agree with you. And I went directly to our social media because it pisses me off. It makes me so upset. I understand it's the Lakers and a lot of people commented, oh, well, they didn't call, they didn't call him for the travel when he was going to the lane. Like, look, <laughs> if it was a questionable call, I understand holding the whistle. This is not questionable. You have Eric Lewis standing right there, standing right under the play. It's a, it's blatantly obvious that that LeBron got fouled. Yes, his reaction was Ugh. dramatic. It was horrible. That's it's why bad, people hate him. That, I, that's that exactly, right there is why people hate LeBron. <laughs> I totally agree with you. But also, I think people need to understand that like flopping is part of today's basketball. Yeah. LeBron is not the only one that does it. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. this happens every single night. So it happens with to your favorite player, to this guy's favorite player. It happens on every team everywhere. It's not just LeBron. All right. It's just he's under a microscope at all times. The issue, Drew, is like you said, it's the picking and choosing when to blow and when to swallow the whistle yeah. is bullshit. That in that moment, you make the right freaking call that we all saw. All right. And then it comes out later that. Eric Lewis is 36 and two when refing Boston Celtics games. <laughs> and then it comes out that he and his whole family are Boston Celtics fans. So oh boy, his wife, his kids, they're all Celtics fans. Now, look, I thought about this a lot, man, because mm. in order to be an NBA ref, you have to have some kind of love or passion for basketball at some point in your life. You either play it. So. <laughs> no, you, you do. You, you played it. You have some love at some point in time. You have a love for a basketball team, right? And if you marry into a family that are basketball fans, it's not their fault either. I just know from my experiences with my friend who is an NBA ref, you, there are no sides, homie. I mean, you got to be yeah. very picky and choosy about what you post, what you say, what yes. you where, who you're talking to, all of this. And, and my friend is, he is very aware of all very of much. So yes. my question is, is like, are you still allowed to be a fan mm. um, of teams once you're an official? And honestly, you're not, you cannot. I don't think you can be, I don't right. think you have to put that. As, I mean, look, man, we, all the refs have personal lives. So who are mm -hmm. we to say that they can't root when they're sitting at home uh, on the couch watching, mm -hmm. watching two teams and, and they, they're rooting for the team. Okay. Please do that. But you have to be able to separate church and state in that moment, right? When you're, when you're with the, when you're in the game and you got mm -hmm. your ref uniform on, you got the whistle in the mouth, like that cannot come into play. And look, look, I devil's advocate, right? A Laker fan here saying this aloud to everybody. I don't want to necessarily lean on the fact that he was uh, blatantly ignoring the foul just because of his fandom for the Celtics mm -hmm. or even worse, like getting into the Donahue situation where he's getting, you know, making bets or anything like that on the Celtics. I don't want to get down that road. Cause I, I think he actually, from my experience, that guy's actually a decent ref. Uh, I could be way out of proportion. I don't know the stats on refs, but I've never had a problem with this particular ref until now. The bigger issue to me clips is why the, we have a whole like office in New Jersey that is built to solve this problem how is it not being solved more so than okay the ref missed it maybe how is it getting worse how about that right, right. <laughs> exactly i just i don't understand how we have we have 47 screens 
in one fucking cubicle office that we people are just watching like how how is it that these things exist simultaneously it's a it's a it's a mind fuck i don't understand i i totally agree and whenever i try to have these conversations with my peers who are in those situations there will always be some kind of excuse of like well we're not watching that we're watching this and this and my whole thing is like then what are you watching Right? right. Like what, what really are we watching then? If, if I, as a fan watching the game can tell immediately that that's a foul from sitting on my couch, yeah. seeing that, that that's a foul. So there needs to be somebody that's either at the scores table. That's like, yo, you guys need to peep this and make this right. Right. Yeah. And I think we've and dude beating a dead horse. Yep. I think we've said this so many times. I would be, I, I would much rather the, the refs uh, own up to the mistakes in the moment than doing these lame ass last two minute reports after the game that mean absolutely nothing when that yeah. game should have been won. So look, there have for the Lakers in general, last two minute reports, there have been 34 incorrect calls Ooh. or non calls in the final two minutes of their 19 close games. This, oh season. my god, listen to this 21 of them went in favor of the Lakers, though. Yeah. So, let me, I'm going to repeat that one more time for the people that are you know driving in their car. There have been 34 incorrect calls or non calls in the final two minutes of their 19 close games this season. 21 of those 34 have gone for the Lakers. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I'm also looking at the fact that there's 34 incorrect calls. That's okay? that was my reaction was that there was that many missed. Right. And so some people are kind of like, well, you know, what is a, what is the last two minute report? The definition of a close game. Uh, the, the NBA only conducts two minute reports. If at any point it's a one possession game in the final two minutes of regulation or overtime, that's when you get the last two minute reports. Now to put context around it, I'm going to name some other teams. The Kings, 22 close games, 36 incorrect calls or non-calls, 13 in their favor. 13 in Ooh. their 36 incorrect calls. Wow. And the they're still winning those that many games. Good they're winning. Them. The Warriors, 18 close games, 28 incorrect calls or non-calls, 17 in their favor. Celtics, 33 incorrect calls or non-calls, 17 against them and 16 in their favor. So look, again... This it happens to every one of these teams. This isn't the first time or the last time that the Lakers, that this is going to happen. And obviously numbers don't lie. It's gone in your favor in those 17. Yeah, times. And, definitely. You, know, you can look at the broader spectrum of just that single game under a microscope and been like, man, there were so many opportunities like that dumbass Patrick Beverly play <laughs> yeah. to end the game and not be in these situations. Right. right. Okay. So totally. like the, I think it was like four of the last seven have been those close games yes. for the Lakers. Lakers win those four games. It's a totally different record, and they're probably in the fourth spot right now. We're two and a half games behind the nine or the I think it's the the eight seed at this point. We're, yes, yes. And when it, when the West is this close, when just generally speak, like when either conference is this mm -hmm. close, is this tight, that's when those calls like will definitely matter at the end of the year. They right? all matter. They yeah. all matter. And I, I, I want to reiterate something really quick though. To be, if Eric Lewis is 36 and two while refing Celtics games, it's kind of like that Scott Foster shit with CP. Like, mm. this cannot be just a coincidence, right? That's like every game he refs. I'm not, I don't want to call him out. I don't know him. I don't know if right. on the take or whatever, but to an average fan reading Twitter when these numbers come yeah. up and stuff, you can't <laughs> help but, and then you miss a call like that, you right. can't help but think 
Donahue. Donahue ruined this for everybody. So I know, you know, we, God, we swore before we started this show, we weren't going to be Lakers Clippers. <laughs> and I promise I only got a little bit to say about the Clippers. Last piece, last piece. Oh, I have one last piece though. Okay. 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 You go first. Okay. The only positive about this is because it was LeBron, because it was Lakers Celtics and on national TV, maybe this will be the moment where Adam Silver and the league go, okay, we really, we need to be able to fix this issue. And, and again, I don't, I'm not really leaning. There was three referees on that floor. All three of them should have called that foul. Mm -hmm. uh, not just the guy standing underneath. Mm -hmm. the, and then the whole point about the fact that we have paid referees that are getting paid to sit in a room and watch these games uh, in New Jersey, every game, like we have to be able to figure this out. And I think this moment, as big of a moment as it was for LeBron to be the guy that it happened to could actually finally be like the last straw where they go, okay, next year or whatever in the playoffs this year, something will change and we'll be able to get this shit right. I totally agree. And this cannot happen in the playoffs. It's going to, I'm letting yeah. everybody know it's going to, and refs are humans too, man. They are right. humans. They're going to make mistakes, but it's just, some of these are inexcusable. And I, there's no defense that you could tell me as a referee or anybody else that there is an excuse as to why we missed that, that call, mm -hmm. you know, with, with the little ticky tack shit that we see all of the time, why yeah. is this one not being called? So before we move on from the Lakers, I have one more conspiracy theory that, oh, good. And tell me, I want your take on this because it kind of blew my mind. So every team in the NBA has a social media account, right? And they have social media managers and every NBA team is supposed to, after every win or loss, they post a, a picture or whatever of the win or loss, the score there. It's like mandatory for each team to do this, right? Win or lose in the 214 losses the Lakers have had mm. since LeBron's been there. He has never, not once, in the background or anywhere, been on the photo of a Laker loss. Oh, all, my God. Listen, bro, how wild is this? Not even in the background. It's always like Pat Bev or Russell or AD or somebody like that. Yeah. And in every one of the Lakers wins, <laughs> it's like 98% LeBron is on there. So that made me start thinking, like, is this part of Clutch? Did Clutch, yes. like, come at them as like, yo, any yes. L y'all take? LeBron is not anywhere with that. And Dude, this also, is fine print. This is the fine print of that contract. It's also such a LeBron clause in the I contract know. too. Right? Oh my God. So of course he's not in there. Come on, Drew, 214 oh. losses and he's never been on the picture. Hey, let me just, well, let me just say this year, the games that he's played, he shouldn't be on the pictures, right? This year he has been the best player for us undoubtedly. And none of the losses are his fault this season. But I will say, uh, maybe maybe just a couple over the course of his years with the Lakers have been due to a poor, poor performance from Braun here or there, or a bad decision down the line. Okay, we're off the Lakers for the yeah. time being until we get into some trade rumors, possibly. But yesterday was my haircut day, all right? Monday, now, since I've had to switch around the schedule, or excuse me, Wednesday <laughs> is now my haircut day. I timed it out perfectly so I can get home in time to watch these awesome TNT games that I was really uh, really interested to see. We had Celtics, Brooklyn, and then we had uh, <laughs> we had uh, uh, Atlanta and Phoenix last night. And I was a little late. I picked up some fish tacos on my walk home. Mm -hmm. I got home about 15 minutes late. I turned on the TV. It's 41 to 11 Celtics. Both of these TNT games were trash. 
so bad. garbage. Okay. So I don't even want to bring up the fact that the Nets got their ass handed to them last night. It was, the- it was quick. It, it was, was so- it, I watched I, you. I, the minutes that you missed, I watched, it was lights out. I mean, look, it could have, the, the Nets could have had their best night and the Celtics were still would have been up by 20, but they were, they were not missing shots. It was insane. I've even said on this show, I've seen the Clippers lose games in the first two and a half minutes of yeah. games, but that shit was a wrap. Yeah. And that Phoenix Atlanta game was a wrap too. Phoenix mm-hmm. is just, they're trash without Booker. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sad to say, but they need to do something really quick. But this, the whole point of this conversation is not about those two garbage games. And Brooklyn has been playing. Okay. I, I guess. Okay. Since yeah. Katie went down, their record has not been looking great. I think they're going to try to make a move at the trade deadline as well. We already mentioned that Phoenix is trash right now. Atlanta's probably going to make some moves. They've literally knocked off 75 cents on the dollar on John Collins right now. I'm pretty sure that guy's <laughs> going to be on another team at some point. But yeah. there were two great games last night, and one of them was the Minnesota Golden State game, and the other one was watching Dame Time against uh, Memphis. And all that I kept thinking about was poke the bear, right? And my yeah. question to Ja, are you still not worried or concerned about <laughs> teams in the West. That's my question. Cause ever since he said that man, yeah. they've been taking L's left and right with Western conference teams. There are some holes in Memphis's offense and their defense drew. So there's a part of me and I like Memphis. I got love for Memphis. You know, Memphis yeah. has, a, has a sweet spot in my heart. I do yeah. not want to see them in the playoffs, but there's something about seeing Dame Lillard cook the shit and he's been cooking, man. We're talking, you, you want to talk about Chef Curry? Yeah. Dame Dalla is the one cooking right now. And he gave them the business last night. There's not one person that can guard him or stop him when that man is hot. I don't, I think it's Steph and Dame. I don't know if there's any hotter people when they, when they are hitting mm. their buckets. I'm not sure who's better. Clay Thompson. I, Clay, okay. Clay actually first ultimate time is- ultimate heat check. Ultimate heat check. When Clay more w- than Dame pre-injury, when Clay was like feeling it. I mean, right, shit, that Sacramento game. I don't have to say anything else. The Sacramento game was a 2016 or some okay. shit like that. 38. That's one quarter, game that 39. you remember. This past week, Dame's oh, dropped no, no, no. 60. 50. I'm not uh, no, no, no. I, I was just throwing out a name. I I'm okay. I am Dame and Steph do it with such regularity that it's not fair to compare those two guys to Clay Thompson, who does it. You know, I just Oklahoma City game six. Like there's a few where Clay was just like ungodly on fire. Uh, but Steph and Dame do it all the fucking time. They do it, they do it most most games, it feels like. So, so I'm you with think, you. I'm with you. Do you think Jaw is still thinking to himself? Nah, man, not really worried about the West. What do you think? No, I, no. If 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 we've seen everything, anything from this Memphis team, including Jaws, is the irrational confidence is is through the roof. Uh, these guys are confident there. That yes, they they definitely dropped a few, quite a few games after he came out with that. Oh, we don't. It's just we're just worried about well, who was it? The Celtics. That was he was worried yeah. about. Uh, and then and, you know, a good follow up. You know, nobody in the West. No, no, no. We don't. We don't need. Not worried about anybody in the West. It's like you might not be worried about them, but that you know, you're. But <laughs> you might get sent like- home. You might get sent home by those teams you're not worried about because the poking of the bear thing that we've talked about. I mean, we had a whole, a whole episode dedicated to it. This is the this is the youth, right? This is the youth coming the out. Two youths. Yeah, too many youths. Uh, a what? Um, it. Dude, I love that fucking movie. My it's cousin great Vinny. Movie. Great my cousin Vinny. Yeah, shout out to Marissa the, Tomei at her. That's in the eighties. Yeah, my God, Joe Pesci, amazing. Um, I I don't think he would take it back. Right? It's it, n- he can none of now. this. 
no, 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 I know. But like, if you were to be like, could you take it back? And, and like, if, if, if you took it back, you would have, you know, much better records since you said it. he'd be like, nah, fuck that. Right. Like that's just kind of their mentality. And I think, you know, there's something to that, right. If they're going to be this young upstart with not that many veterans and kind of grit and grimy the way that Memphis likes it, this kind of needs to be the way that they carry themselves. Like, nah, fuck you guys. Like we're, we're going to the finals this year. No one can touch us in the West. Like I, I don't mind it. I do think, you know, obviously it's a little early. They haven't done much as far as playoffs, you know, as far as their careers, for the most part, they're all very young. Right. Uh, and it, all of this has coincided with no Steven Adams. And uh, I think they're, you know, they, they finally got Danny Green back. So that may be a little extra depth uh, for them there. And, and certainly some more shooting. I, uh, Williams is having a sophomore slump, like like a big time sophomore slump for them. And he was playing great last year. So, you know, I, I think the truth of the matter is, is they need to they need to look at making a move. Right. We've talked about strengthening up the, the position from them, like trading away uh, a Dylan Brooks or, you know, something along those types of lines to get a little bit stronger, maybe a little bit more veteran leadership. Jay Crowder seems like a guy that most people are mentioning with them. He's already played in Memphis, uh, obviously a veteran like would do fine there. I think there's a couple other guys that you might be able to go after. I think I might have even mentioned like DeMar DeRozan in the past. Uh, there's there's a long list of guys that you can go after to try and solidify that spot and not and, and then and really get better. I think they need to take a look at it. But even if they don't, if they don't make a single move, once Steven Adams comes back, the rotation will get back into normalcy. You know, in their it, chemistry is really good. Be fine. I, think, I think they all like each other. They're yeah. all homies like that. I don't think. And I think people would love, I'd love to have Dylan Brooks on my team. I know a lot of people don't like him. I've mentioned it on that show. Lakers too. I would, I would, I think he would be great on the Lakers. I take him any day of the week, dude. I, I like guys like that. My whole point of the poke the bear though, is guys like Steph and Dame yeah. and Kawhi who may not say that, but they're always going to remember that shit. Right. And I know that that was Dame's motivation last night. Like, yeah, okay. I know our record ain't like yours, Memphis, but I'm going to give you the, these buckets real quick. Definitely. And, uh, I, I, what's it called? Uh, Portland has been tied to Jared Vanderbilt. They might try to make some moves right now, but yeah. so we're seven, we're seven days away. It's February 2nd, February 9th is the trade deadline. We've been talking about the trade deadline for the past month. I think there's going to be a lot of moves going on. I kind of want to cover a couple things, but Bob Myers said something in an interview that made so much sense. He, uh, they asked him, uh, like what's going on with the trade deadline? Like, have you talked to anybody? And Bob Myers was like, I've talked to a lot of GMs and I asked them what they're going to do. And then they're like, what are you going to do? Right. And he's, <laughs> the, the, the other GMs are like, I don't know what to do. I think we're good enough, but we're 500 right, right. now based on these records. So yes. a lot of these teams that are, that we've been talking about that are in this middle range, the, these games separated by four, they don't know how good they are. Right. Or if yep. they're even good and right. they don't know if they're willing to get rid of players or what they need to bring on to be better. And back to what we were about Memphis, we got to say that like they did lose five in a row and still had all held on to the second yep. you know second spot which is fucking crazy because if you lose five games in a row all these people that are in that three to, to 13 right now it's, yeah. a, it's a really bad move we saw how far the clippers dropped when they dropped five in a row but pelicans what, Pel pelicans i was going to bring them up they've lost nine in a row they they're down on 10th to 10th right now yeah when three podcasts ago we're talking about the bayou bully and how good they're gonna be <laughs> and and they were in my notes too to talk about but right. they need to get their shit together brandon ingram needs to you know get the run knock the rust off a little bit they need to get zion back because zion's the key to all of that but to what Bob Myers said, I think that's so true. 
the only the only domino that's fallen has been the Rui Hachimura, yep. right? And yep. when you look at it, Rui's a really good fit. He's a nice fit. He's not the game changer that the Lakers need. No. But I think there's going to be a lot more moves than expected. Like I, I think Ujiri, Masai Ujiri, is really trying to balance what his I, what he's going to do for the future of the Raptors. Do we blow it up right now? There's been a, do we blow it up and try to get the most value we we can right? Mm-hmm. And you know the Clippers, Dallas, a lot of these teams are looking at the ticket on OG Ananobi, which I think is probably the most coveted guy right now because yeah. once they gave him the okay to like we'll take these phone calls for OG. Um, Fred Van Vliet, another big one. But then the more I've looked at it, I was thinking about uh, that old show that they used to have on TV called Change of Heart, right? And I've had a personal change of heart uh, about what I feel the Clippers need. And as much as I liked the Fred Van Vliet thing, I'm looking at things. His numbers are declining. He's 29. His shooting's gone down. Like, I'm looking at the Mike Conley thing. Do we need another old guy on the team? No. I've also been really adamant about, like, let's fucking just stick with Reggie right now. Let's stick with Reggie and help with – let's wait for John Wall to get back and let's help with the rebounding and the defense and that. Let's just – because when Kawhi and Paul George play together, it's a totally different demographic or uh, dynamic, excuse me, as to what the Clippers are doing. So uh, I'm curious to see what you think about the fire sale for, um, for Toronto. I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, I think there's not a lot of sellers, but there's going to be a couple teams that are willing to part with the, you know, the Jordan Clarkson's the John Collins is, I think Boyan's not going to be in the mix right now. D'Angelo Russell, the, the, the hurdles one that came up this week that specifically I was thinking about for the Clippers was the Knicks are willing to get rid of rid of, Emmanuel quickly has been kind of, he's been mm. playing very good this month, but they're kind of thinking about moving on from Emmanuel quickly. And this was a guy that I've read some of the craziest articles about Emmanuel quickly, his parents, how he approaches the game. The fact that he is a straight nut when it comes to watching film, getting better. He's young. Like that's the kind of guy I would kind of be gravitated to, to look at and to want. He's not the, like the, the seasoned vet, that you would expect a Clipper team to get, but maybe we need that young, that fucking vibrant, gritty, like a Terrence man type. So I, I know the Clippers were tied to D'Angelo Russell too. And I'm like, God, for, oh boy, he's up there with Kyle Lowry. I want neither one of them. <laughs> but again, I don't want to keep repeating myself and saying, I don't think we need to make this huge splash to get tied to a Fred Van Vliet deal. Who's going to opt out of his player option and expects to make the 30 mil that's coming. So what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on should, should the Raptors blow it up and try to get the, what they want right now for OG is young players. They're not even looking for picks for the OG trade. They said mm. they want young players. Mm. That's interesting. OG is pretty young too. Um, look, it's decision time, right? I thought decision time would happen a lot faster for a lot of these teams, but the jumble in the middle has prevented them from pulling the trigger one way or the next, saying, no, fuck it, let's double down, we're in, we're going to go for the playoffs, let's see what we can do. Or, nope, we're let, nope, 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 we're not doing that, let's sell everybody. Like, I thought for sure Utah would have been rid of the Conleys and the Clarksons and uh, who's our other guy there? That's uh, Malik Beasley. Beasley. Mm-hmm. Beasley was leading the league in the uh, three-point shooting not too mm-hmm. long ago. Like, there was a couple guys on that team that was like, okay, you know, they'll, they'll definitely ship those guys. No, didn't happen. They had the hottest start in the freaking NBA outside of the Celtics, I think. And, uh, and so there's a lot of teams in that position right now. And, and, and with 
the especially in the West, but even in the East, there's it's pretty close when you get down, you know, to the bottom portion of the seating where teams could feasibly still make a run for the playoffs. And then once you're in, who knows? Anything can happen. Uh, look, I think in the East, the decision is a lot easier for these teams. Toronto, you're not winning a fucking championship this year, man. Or you know? next year or the or, year after right now. Right. Not it's not gonna happen. So mm-hmm. I we have seen a lot of periods of, of inactivity and then quick action from Toronto and, and when Masai is pulling the trigger on these stuff, it's like, it feels like, you know, sometimes he plays the background, right? He's playing in the background and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, he's got these moves that he makes, right? The Kawhi Leonard move. I, you know, I keep going back to that. I don't think anyone saw that happening for DeMar DeRozan. Like, I don't think any, anyone would have guessed that he would blow it up like that. And then lo and behold, they win a championship. So uh, specifically Toronto, if anyone wants Van Vliet, they need to take him. He's t- the fact that he's 29, just turned 29, fresh. 29. I mean, that's, that's older than I thought. I mean, that's yeah. the, that's the weird part about him is he's been in the league for a minute and he was, uh, you know, multi-year college player, at Wichita state. So, uh, that, that's, that's pretty, ah, man, that's pretty upsetting. Uh, <laughs> I thought he was younger. I don't know. I mean, I think it's just relative time in the league versus when he, you know, what his age was when he entered, but yes, uh, they, they should try and, and let him go somewhere, somewhere that they can get. I mean, I don't know who would you want think him. Luca and Van Vliet would work. Is Van Vliet the answer Ooh. for Luca? And this is the other thing, like with Dallas, they come out and Maybe. say, well, you know, we're only willing to trade DFS if it's for a star. And it's like, well, what the, who, the, <laughs> what, who is DFS? I understand people, Dorian, people want Dorian Finney-Smith, but like yeah. this ticket isn't going to be as high as you think it is. Like there's a right. lot of Dorian Finney-Smiths in the, in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And my only issue with Fred Van Vliet, and I mentioned that I'd rather be looking at him than Kyle Lowry and D'Angelo yeah. Russell because yeah. he'd probably be a great fit on the Clippers right now. I'm looking yeah. also towards that opting out, and he's going to be commanding $30 million. I right. don't think I want to be paying that to a 30-year-old point guard on the decline. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, and look, you know, it could just be a, could be an off year but i last year his numbers weren't great he was he was better this year's been pretty bad so it just could be one of those weird years for him right maybe something's going on that we don't know about but mm-hmm. the hardest part about trading point guards especially someone like van vliet with the money involved is there is a litany of point guards mm-hmm. in this league every team you can go through every single team and they go oh, they they probably want to see what this guy's going to do right or they either have a, a solidified bona fide point guard point guard or they have a young guy that they recently drafted that they mm-hmm. want to see what the fuck is going on. Right. Like I can't, I can't place Van Vliet in a situation, especially like in a winning situation that makes any sense for the team that would want to give up what he, what the Toronto Raptors are going to want. You know what I'm saying? Like I, you know, I, I, the only teams that are coming to my mind are the, are like the Lakers or the Clippers. It, <laughs> it is, it's weird, but we are uniquely positioned where we don't have, neither of us have like our troop. I mean, Russell Westbrook's still coming off the bench, right? Right. And Paul George is playing point for the Clippers as well, even though they don't want to say that I'm just more, I'd rather take the gamble. Right. I'd rather take the gamble on the Emmanuel quickly's bones. Highland deleted his affiliation with the Denver nuggets, took Mm -hmm. him off the Instagram. They're willing to get rid of bones. I know bones is raw and whatnot. I don't think he's a perfect fit for the Clippers, but I'd be rather at the, at the price point, I'd rather take, uh, a gamble on the quicklies and the bones highlands for what they are right now mm-hmm. then have to dedicate 30 million dollars to a 29 year old point guard so here's an interesting thing like if denver can package bones mm-hmm. 
and either some other young guys or picks, Mm -hmm. that's a team that goes, all right, let's see, let's bring in Van Vliet, right? Mm -hmm. Let's see what happens then. Well, then what does that look like? That could look pretty interesting. Minnesota, randomly, all all of a sudden in the sixth seed, uh, let's see, let's see if Toronto will take D'Lo, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just see. Let's like, if I'm, I mean, shit, if I'm the GM of the Timberwolves, I'm trying to make something happen, right? After the Gobert trade was just, it's not working out. And they're playing better without Gobert or Cat. I know, because Anthony Edwards is running. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, you know, there, maybe there's something there, right? It's just these weird, for Van Vliet specifically, there's, there's very few fits and they're all kind of strange. Uh, when I think about the league and where he would, where where people would even want to make a trade for him, right? Like Miami, I think would love Van Vliet. I think, I think they would. Yes. Mm-hmm. But what what are they going to give? They don't have very, they have very few young players. I don't think they have many picks, and all their picks are always shit because they're so good. They always make the playoffs. They never have like lottery picks. So you know, it's it for him specifically. Hey, Toronto would love Lowry back though. If you think about it, the fans would absolutely. Why not? He wants to. I'm it. sure he was going to sign a 10 day contract and retire as a as a right. Toronto Raptor whenever mm. that day was going to come and hang. But up you can't boots. give Fred VanVleet up for nothing either. Right. You can't. You right. can't. Right? right. And then that's the thing is like so then it would have to be like a three team trade and like maybe San Antonio or uh Houston or Orlando gets involved and they can you know tie the piece or Charlotte they can tie the pieces together that way uh I don't know Van Vliet specifically very tough OG and Anobi much easier fit every team in the NBA would be like cool like let's run it like the Clippers probably don't need them so maybe maybe 29 teams in the NBA well it was uh, funny because on the OG on the Ringer NBA show, they had a really great segment that they were talking about is like, okay, well, they were talking about OG a lot. They're like, okay, well, how many teams are one OG away from contention? Yeah. Right? Like, and when you think about it, you're like, okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. Like the Warriors would be great. Yeah. OG would be great on there, but I'm bringing up another guy that Philly said is no longer untouchable. And that's Matisse Thibault, right? A guy that I really like. I think he's a Swiss army knife. He does a lot of good things. He reminds me a lot of a young Nico Batum. You wish you'd shoot a little better, but that's mm. something that you could work on. And he's getting tied to the Kings and the Warriors. And I'm thinking about it. And both of those teams would be great. Like these guys, I, the Kings are really trying to make a push. I'm not sold on them uh i'm sold on them getting to the playoffs i'm not sold on them going much farther than the playoffs sure. but if i do play- think og og to the kings or or thiable to the kings mm-hmm. and and the grizzlies right og og if i'm if i'm if i'm those gms mm-hmm. i'm like will you take dylan brooks and pick for mm-hmm. og and if i'm the kings will you take harrison barnes mm-hmm. and pick for og or or i mean i don't think you would give up keegan murray like there's still no, a lot of can't still a lot of promise in that kid. So I, you know, know, those two teams are close, right? They're close. Let's see if we can get a little closer by adding this guy that, you know, is a, is kind of a, a a two-way player. Um, Same thing with Matisse Thibel. I I mean, look, I, Matisse won't play very much on the, on the Warriors. He won't, he he just won't. I, 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 because he has to, he has to looking for that auto Porter that they're missing this year. And And he's not that he's not that. I, defensively, man, their defense sucks, Drew. Well, they have that, zero that's defense. a fair point, but the reason why Otto Porter and Nemanja Bialica work so well is because they can shoot the fucking mm-hmm. ball mm-hmm. and they can move. <laughs> Otto Porter is one that they, they're probably, you know, scratching their heads is why they couldn't figure out a way to bring him back. But the money is the money, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where you go. If you're the Warriors, I much rather would, would trade like Wiseman and a pick or See, something for, I- for OG. 
than I, I would than works, I would Cybel. I think that Golden State, if they're over this project of Wiseman and Kuminga, I think if it'd be great for the Raptors to get Wiseman, Kuminga, and a pick for fucking OG. No, I, they're not giving up. They're not giving up Kuminga. I don't think they. They will. are. They. I, I think he's on the block, man. So there's Oof. the trade targets for for team seeking prospect: Jonathan Kuminga, Jonathan Wise, or James Wiseman, Zaire Williams, Bones Highland, Kevin Porter Jr., Obi Toppin, Chris Duarte. Dayron Sharp, who, I, who God, he had the most bonehead play the other night. I yeah. saw it God, that was so crazy. <laughs> Cam Thomas is obviously isn't loving his role in Brooklyn right now because ain't shit funny for Cam Thomas. Like these are guys. I, I think that we've talked about, it. I think golden state would be willing. I don't mm -hmm. know if they're willing to package both of them up, but in order to get an OG, if, yeah. if, if, um, golden state is trying to win this shit again, cause I'm not writing them off. You don't no. want to fuck with, with, with golden state in the, no, they're already back up in the seven. Right. So I think they might be one of those teams that's one OG away from real contention. I think the the underlying issue with Golden State right now is their chemistry. Everything that this year, there's something different, right? And people are kind of, something's different, man. Somebody got punched in the face. It's that almost like someone, someone got in a fight or something. It's really strange. Yeah, if I was the Warriors, I would do everything to keep Kaminga. I would rather part ways with Moody and, and Wiseman and Picks mm -hmm. than giving up Kaminga. I mean the 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 That's ceiling fair. the ceiling for that guy, bro. What game it was the Memphis game, I think, where he had those two dunks like, oh boy, and he just one of them was just a rip through one dribble and I'm at the rim hard like, oh boy. I I would not. I think there's promise with him. And he hit I think in that game too, he had like a, a couple corner threes. Moody and and Wiseman, yeah, go ahead. You you could take them. I take those guys, give me OG. I'll give you a pick or something. Uh, but yeah, Sacramento, you know, it's all those teams that are, that are one OG away. I like it. I do like it. And I think most of them are in the West. I'll be honest with you. Cause it is so crowded. Like if you're Phoenix, like, why wouldn't you take a swing at, at, uh, Van Vliet or a swing at OG? Uh, I don't think you need Thibel and you don't necessarily need OG cause Mikhail Bridges is there. Cam Johnson is there. So maybe they, maybe they stay away from the, the OG of it all. But you know, there, there's, there's teams that need to address some problems uh that that will definitely be calling toronto i mean we're focused on toronto right now there's a lot of other teams out there that i think would will be making these decisions when i talk about decision time it's this week mm -hmm. this week is when the gms and the owners have to be like what tell me what we're doing right like are do we feel like this is something we want to roll the dice with and see how far we can take it get some of these younger guys some good experience in the postseason even if it's just round one uh, or are, are we going to try and, and sell and, and, and get into the sweepstakes for one of these lottery picks? And, and that's why I think your the point that you made was like, I think this is going to be an active transfer market, uh, transfer that's, that's soccer, an active trade deadline. I think it will be active, but I think it's gonna be really hectic and like right down to the wire because they're outside of Rui, there hasn't been any moves. And by now there's usually at least a couple yeah, I thought it was interesting because uh, Jerry was on like the road trip. He was meeting with everybody with mm. the Raptors. He's meeting with. I, I think Phoenix might be a place for them because I'm I'm pretty sure they're looking for the Chris Paul uh, reinforcement. I know they got rid of Dwayne. They signed a dude to a ten day. They got rid of Dwayne Washington, who's also I saw that guy get a lot of buckets. He could score. I like this yeah. kid a lot. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to come down to the wire. I'm nervous as all hell. I thought it was interesting on Reddit. They did a poll. 
for the most stressed out NBA fan base. And it was based on 75,000 tweets that were negative. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, well, I did definitely. I would say Lakers in the first, like stressed out Lakers uh, and Knicks, right? Dude. Number one. Is the Miami Heat. They oh, had 32.4% yeah. of the negative sentiment tweets were for the Miami Heat. Oh, my Heat. God. Two was the Knicks. Third was the Golden State Warriors. Oh, yeah, sure. Then the 76ers. And dead last was the Sacramento Kings. Kings fans just True. aren't stressed out. They're just in heaven. Just the beam. Just light the beam. Bro, they're in heaven. There should be 100% positive tweets out of Kings fans. 100%. Think about where they were even just last year. I totally agree, man. Uh, there was one more funny thing that I saw and I watched the interview and they had Boston, you know, they gave for the all-star game. Joe Mazzula is going to be the head coach of the all-star team. Yep. And they, inter they interviewed him after the game and they're like, so Joe, are, uh, are you excited to be uh, head coach of the all-star game? He's like, I don't care. And they're like, it's exactly what he said. He said, I don't care. And then he said, well, what do you think about uh what do you think about the way they pick things? They, they pick, they're going to pick teams before the game. He's like, I, I don't care. Like I'm, I'm happy the staff gets to go out and, and, and be there and our families. I, I just don't care. And they're like, okay, Joe, like that, that this was really, this was a really fun interview. Joe, <laughs> Joe gives zero fucks about being the head coach. And so somebody on Twitter said, God damn, this guy's the bill Belichick of NBA basketball now. And I'm like, dude, that is great. I just think perfect. I I understand like not caring. It's not a big deal. This guy's focused on winning a championship and that's great to be hyper-focused, but like at least dude, you're a first time head coach. Fake you're it. going to the all-star game. Fake it a little bit. Fake it for the cameras, Joe. Fake it. Man. I, yeah. Look, let me, let me say something too. Like I, I, I understand why the head coaches are always selected as whoever is in the number one seed, right? That's the easiest metric to tell whether or not you're doing a good job as a head coach, but in this instance, I think I would lean on somebody like uh, J.B. Bickerstaff or uh, Jacques Vaughn. How about this, or... Drew? How about this? Since we are the progressive podcast, they come up with great ideas, right? Yeah. How cool would it be if the players voted on an OG vet? What if all the players mm -hmm. voted? You got, if, say, Udonis Haslam, say, like, uh, uh, one of these guys on other teams. Uh, oh, Batum, to be the coach? To be the coach of the of Oh, a that's team, fun. Right? What if you gave the opportunity to the guy riding the pine? He would much more rather who's never made an all-star game. Yeah, something it like would that. be like it would be Haslam and Iguodala. <laughs> cool. That's like that, I think that's what it would be. That's fine. That would be fun. If you give him a list of, of players like Sam Cassell would have been the head coach of a lot of teams. You know what I'm saying? All-star. <laughs> I think. I, yeah. It, it, what I thought you were going to say is like, let the players vote for who the coaches should be. Sure. The actual coaches. Sure. That should be. I feel like that should be something that, because, it, that it's thrown in there. I mean, there should be all-star coaches, like some guy that's done a great yeah. job. Jacques Vaughn would be the head coach right now. It shouldn't be the best team. It should be like, right. well, who's had the best yeah, season I, I, coaching? The point that I'm making too is like this this team, like nothing really changed from last year to this Zero. year. Uh, he's running the same stuff mm -hmm. and the team is virtually the same. I mean, they don't have Gallinari and uh, I, I think they got rid of uh, what, who'd they get rid of? They got rid of like one guy. Like, mm -hmm. I, you know what I'm saying? Like they, there was not a whole lot of turnover. This team is like, I do think any NBA assistant coach could go be the head coach of the Celtics and lead them to this record. And I don't want to take anything away from Joe. I think he's doing a good job. He obviously bonds well with the team. I think uh, his in-game coaching seems to be lacking a bit for me sometimes. Like when I'm like, okay, what is Joe going to do? Like make a move. He's going to make an adjustment. And it's like, no, he doesn't, doesn't do it. And Bill Simmons always talks about how he doesn't 
uh, call timeouts. It's like a new age Phil Jackson thing where it's like he's trying to Zen mindfuck his team out of like panicking or something like that. Uh, but look, I, I I don't think he's earned it is what I'm trying to get at. Like, let's look at some of the teams that are like doing better than than we thought. And like I the Kings, like Coach Brown over there in Sacramento would definitely get yes. a nod from me. Yes. I mean, Mike, Mike Malone is a hell of a coach. Right. Yes. And he's had to he's had to you know maneuver through some shit this year with them, uh, and and has ha- you know has them as the, really the second best team in the NBA, no problems. I also think you know Taylor Jenkins, uh, but Brown and those those guys probably deserve it more. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, but Brown especially because like, like that's a transfer. I mean, like I guess the, the, I'm making more of a point for Coach of the Year than I am for the All Star. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. It's weird that it's just like oh, if you're in the number one seed, you get to be the the all-star team head coach is like, well, if, if I have the best team and I'm not really <laughs> like, I haven't like elevated my team to that next level. I don't know. I feels, it feels like other people should be considered rather than just who happens to have the, the coach happens to have the best team <laughs> in I, I the think, NBA. I think it's just the easiest way to do that. And of you course. don't even coach the all-star game. This is so stupid. No, that's no, why no. Right. That's why Missoula doesn't care because he's like, dude, this seems tedious. Like, I don't want to be there. <laughs> I'd rather right. He wants with- to go watch film right. on the Celtics and like prep for like the remaining half of the season. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Give me your uh, bouquet baller of the week, Drew. All right. This is a good one. Uh, San Antonio Spurs, Jeremy Sohan, Sochan, Sochan, hey. Sohan. Uh-huh. I don't know how to say his last name. Is it Sohan? It's Sohan. You don't mess with the Sohan. No. Uh, he gets my flowers clips, and it is very specific. It's a very specific bouquet. It has in the card. It is a very specific for your free throw shooting. Here's a guy who was shooting 45.8% from the free throw line to start his NBA career. Very young NBA career. One of the worst starts to a free throw percentage in NBA history has decided to shoot the ball one handed and has elevated his free throw percentage up to 77%. So wild. 83% since she just in the, in the time he made the switch, he's shooting 83% one handed. So total overall for the season, 77%. And I'm giving him my flowers because that takes balls to do something you know, different, do something away from the normalcy of what you see in NBA basketball, something uncool, something that looks weird, something that Shaquille O'Neal never had the balls to do was the underhand shot or try different things. I also want to give one, I'm taking one flower out and I'm giving it to Miles Plumley, Mason Plumley. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Because he's shooting, not just free throws, he's shooting everything left-handed now. Uh, won a game for him actually with a left-handed jumper from like 12 to 14 feet away, but that takes balls. And I, you know, if you've, if you've never been in a game uh, of any kind, uh, never involved in sports, you're probably not listening to this podcast, but if you happen to be one of those people, there's a lot of pressure for you to conform to what is cool. Mm-hmm. The way that guys would dribble a ball at the free throw line, do a little spin, uh, you know, whatever their routine is. And then the jumper has to look good. It has to look a specific way. And people time and time again in history choose to look better and have the result be a fucking brick than it is to have the result be a a free throw make and look a little weird while you're doing it. So big shout out to Sohan because that takes balls. Yeah, I like that kid too. And I think it's even more crazy. The the one flower you gave to Plumlee is like, you've been playing basketball your whole <laughs> life, right? And then just one coach is like, hey, 
let's change it to the left. Let's try this out. And it's not bad form. Like it doesn't look horrible left-handed. He doesn't shoot a lot as it is. No, he does not. Also, the team loves it when he does it and makes it. Like the team goes crazy. But you're they so do. right. And Sohan being on the Spurs doesn't get a lot of love. I, I was on on a show not too long ago where we were talking about him, and the only player that he reminds me of, and it's not just the hair and the shorts and whatnot, but he reminds me of a young Rodman because the yep. guy's motor is crazy, loves to get rebounds, does all the dirty stuff. I think there's going to be a place for him. I th- I'd like him to get a little little bigger. But I think there's a really good place for a guy like that. And I think he's with the right organization to try to hone those skills and also drew Mm -hmm. the flowers to Sohan because you are receptive to that. And as a young guy being like, oh, hell no, like I ain't doing that. Right. Like I'm not sure. Especially as a rookie, as a rookie too. You're just getting in the league and you have the balls to do that, man. I love it. I love it. Those are flowers. Hey, I'm going to, for the first time on the follow through with clips and drew and the bouquet ballers, I'm giving it to a whole basketball team. Drew. Oh. I'm giving it to a whole basketball team. It's and not the I've Pelicans. Already, no, it's not. It is going to be the Washington wizards because yeah. it took 8,451 days, December, 1999. Since these guys had beaten San Antonio in San Antonio. That's crazy. 1999, man. That is insane. San Antonio's been bad for several seasons. <laughs> and that's still the last time they got to win. Well, the Washington Wizards ain't never won in San Antonio. It's so unbelievable. Crazy. So December 1999. I'm in high school, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm in my I'm 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 living my senior year dream. A lot has happened since then. <laughs> there was a lot of chances for the Wizards to beat these guys, and it just hadn't happened. And the Wizards actually are playing really well right now. I think they've won yep. four in a row. Six. Uh, They're six the hottest team in the NBA. Six in a row. Six in a row. A big shout out to the Wizards. <clears throat> Normally we don't give them to full teams, but no, you can't go wrong with eight thousand four hundred and fifty-one days, man. Whew. Lots That's has insanity. happened. That I is totally so agree. much time. Give me a final thought, Drew. Yeah. Uh, final thought. Going to be a little bit of a tearjerker here. So oh boy. get your tissues ready. Oh, boy. Rui Hachimura comes over to the Lakers. I think kid's doing well, fitting in well, even though LeBron wants him to fit out. He's fitting in well. I think he's doing fine. Uh, I hope to see him continue to improve and fit in well with this team and, and, and you know deliver what we needed, which is a starting level wing which he is but you might have noticed that it's a, he has, he's got a curious number on his back he's wearing number 28 and uh when i first saw it i was like that's weird i i, I think he was like nine or something like that in, in washington or seven or something weird a different number in washington i could be wrong and i was like that's a strange number i was like i wonder if the number he really wanted was like 10 Right. And that's just taken or it's a Hall of Fame thing or whatever. Come to find out that he chose 28 for Kobe and Gigi. And that is, I mean, the best possible way for a guy to endear himself to this Lakers organization and to this franchise. So I I'm I may actually purchase a Rui Hachimura laker jersey i don't make a lot of laker purchases for the jerseys because guys change teams all the time and i already have my kobe one i'm good i don't need a whole lot of jerseys but that that hit me like pretty hard i was like damn dude this kid he gets it you know Mm -hmm. that's that was a is a hell of a maneuver for him to do so the two obviously for gg eight for kobe uh but i think i don't i could not (laughs) i could not figure 
a better possible reason to select a number and a better way to get ingratiated and just, you know, a big old hug from all the Laker fans around the globe for that number selection. So big shout out to Rui Hachimura. I love you, kid. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was a strong move, the right move, a great move to do. I'm pretty sure his his number was six, and that's bronze number. So he definitely wasn't getting that. Um, but yeah, I appreciated that. And I think it's hard to not root for a guy that does something like that, right? It's hard awesome. not to root for Rui anyways. We like him. Everybody likes Rui. He's a nice kid. Nice kid. He plays his ass off. He's going to fit in great for that team. Mine's not going to be a ter- tearjerker, my final thought, Drew. I'm going to keep mine short and sweet, man. And mine's going to be a little violent. You want Uh-oh. me to tell you why it's going to be a little violent, Drew? Because Clippers are on our, our Grammy road trip, which we've done really well, minus the, minus the game against Cleveland when nobody played and we got our ass handed to us, but we pulled out one in Chicago. But in about a half hour, we are in Milwaukee. We're the TNT game tonight, and we are going to be playing the Milwaukee Bucks tonight. And it is going to be a rematch with who, Drew? None other but the Australian Chris Kringle, Joe Ingles, <laughs> and Kawhi Leonard. Joe Ingles, the man who put my boy out for 18 months. I want an I want a claw elbow to the <laughs> to that to the rib cage on Joe Ingles. That's what I want to see. Oh, hold on. The ACL karma came right back around his way, Clips. I think he got I don't his, care. but he got his. And you know, he, he stole my only opportunity. Kawhi, there was not a hotter player in the NBA than Kawhi Leonard. I just want, I just want, look, man, put it this way. If Claw doesn't want to do it, let's <laughs> sub in, let's sub in Diabate for one minute. And I just put Joe Ingles on his ass for me, please. Cause we cannot let this slide. We, we, we don't <laughs> let this shit slide, Joe. And God, that just takes me back to a really tough time. We thought Kawhi was coming back the next game. He came off the court saying, Hey man, I feel just fine. And then we lose the man for 18 months on a dumbass bump play by, from Joe Ingles. And we like Joe Ingles, but not tonight, bro. I hope you get something in the rib cage. I want you to feel it tomorrow morning, bro. That's where Pat Bev, Pat Bev would have definitely done that. Oh, Pat Bev would have taken on that, that team. Injection. Pat would have been. Yep. That would have been exactly what he did. I miss Pat Bev. Not not too much these days, but I do miss Pat a little bit. Uh, all right. We got to. We're gonna we gotta shut this down. We got Clippers Milwaukee coming up, but you know we're gonna be dropping very, very soon. Uh we'll be back shortly. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, and we're ghosts. You know what it is, you know what it is, you know where you're-